Welcome to The Spark Effect, the most famous podcast you haven't heard of. I am your host, Wendy Durrell, bringing you stories, advice, support, and the most fascinating guests on the planet. I believe it just takes a spark to change a life. Let's do this thing. Hello, my friends. Wendy Durrell here. How is everybody doing? We are in such a wacky time period in the world right now. I hope that wherever you are, you are healthy and happy and safe and taking care of yourselves. Something that you might not know about me if you're new to my world was that prior to living in New York City, I actually grew up in sunny Southern California in Orange County, Huntington Beach, Surf City, gorgeous weather. Why did I ever leave? <laughs> um, I love New York City so much. But it was beautiful. And as I grew up there, I had a group of best friends. And in this group of best friends, there was like our core group of girlfriends. And I think at one point they even called us the Fab Five. Like picture mean girls, but instead of mean girls, we were like nice girls, but still with the snark. We even had matching Adidas jackets. <laughs> I still have my jacket. We had them in all different colors. Two of us had red because I'm awful. And, and I got red instead of purple, uh, which is what I should have gotten. And, and instead, one of our other friends got purple. Well, anyways, that was a whole other drama. You know how high school was. One of those friends was Trisha. Trisha is one of the best human beings I know in the entire world. And she met her her now husband and, and father of her four kids, Derek, while we were in high school. I became good friends with him as well. He was one of those people that I could always talk to about music and about religion and about God. And I never felt like I was being judged or I wasn't intimidated by it. He made it a very safe spot for me to talk about. I appreciated it so much. And I am thrilled to bring him onto the show today. He has quite the tale. Let's get to the interview. Derek, welcome to The Spark Effect. Good morning. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you. I have known you. I've seen about this this morning. I yep. think over 25 years. Yeah. And, Somewhere and, in there. And, and, and it's been a, a minute since I've seen you. <laughs> <laughs> a minute and a half. It's been a long time. Yeah, right. Um, but music has always been something that kind of we um, bonded over and chatted yep. about. What yep. was the first instrument that you ever played? Um, well, that's a funny story. So um, I think my parents sort of knew some of my musical aptitude as a, as a child. And it was around fifth grade, getting into sixth grade, um, when we were looking ahead to Sowers Middle School. Um, where my mom said, you are either going to be in the choir or you're going to be in the band. So pick one. And uh, I was like, I'm not going to be in the choir. Like, <laughs> I was like, man, that's for girls. I'm not doing that. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to be in the band. But I didn't know what I wanted to play. At that time, the Ninja Turtles, this, this will all come together. The Ninja Turtles were doing like a musical world tour. And I had a Ninja Turtles music poster in my bedroom and my favorite turtle is Raphael and Raphael was playing a saxophone therefore I chose the saxophone and I, I played love it. <laughs> I played sax uh all the way through college actually yeah yeah that's what I I remember you playing yep um, in high school in high school when did you pick up the guitar uh you know freshman year uh just yeah. around there you know I really wanted to so I worked all summer and bought a guitar and you know it was a piece of junk and taught myself how to play Oh, that's so good. It's it's yeah. kind of like this like lifelong goal of mine to learn. And I know 
a few chords and I can strum yeah. along, but I, right. there's, there's like this weird disconnect for me. Like everyone, right. or, everyone around me is a musician and I, I just, I'm, I'm in complete awe of it. Um, so tell me how you got into, into recording. Um, well, you know, I was playing saxophone and when I left high school, I thought, well, I should major in music. And if I'm playing saxophone, what do you major in? You major in jazz. Mm -hmm. So I started majoring in jazz, but then I realized I hate jazz and I'm terrible at it. <laughs> and so I, I quit. <laughs> and then I thought I really love, like I've been writing songs for many years at that point, um, all through high school. And I thought I want to like make music. And so then I, um, you know, turn my side towards getting like a recording uh, engineer certificate um, at a community college and kind of built my own setup. Um, and then uh, just kind of, it never panned out as a professional um, endeavor, uh, but I just kind of kept at it in my own personal life and have been doing it, um, yeah, ever since, uh, I don't know, around 2000, about 20, yeah. Yeah, and I bet, I bet you years. learned so much doing that. You just did a soundtrack for a movie and attended yeah. the premiere. How did that come about? Uh, it was a lot of fun. A, a great friend of mine, <clears throat> excuse me, his name is Nick Kasuchi. He's a great independent uh, filmmaker and director. We've been friends for a long time. I've done a ton of projects together. He was creating this independent movie called Gray Streets um, as a proof of concept, hopefully to get it sold uh, to a streaming or uh, a major movie and uh um and he's always doing video projects for me like hey shoot a music video for me hey do this for me but i never get to do anything for him and so now he had this project and was in need of music and i said this is it and i need to support my friend so i stepped up and i've never done an endeavor like this before and had a great learning opportunity uh to write the score for this film and uh it was a ton of fun and a ton of challenges um, and we went to the premiere and we got to see it on the big screen and I got That's to awesome. hear music really loud and it was, it was, uh, it was really, really fun. Really so, so scoring a movie, were you, were you like watching the footage of ahead of time of writing yeah. it or, or was it like, kind yeah. of like you and knew so, the scenes that were going to happen? Exactly. So I got the footage, I got a locked cut. That means there's going to be no more edits, uh, mm -hmm. to the actual structure of the film. And, um, uh, I loaded it into my computer where I had the, um, the video playback happening and my recording software there. And I tried to take like the, the dual approach of, of like the classic film scoring thing where you have characters have their own themes, you know, very a la star Wars, you know, um, this was like a gritty crime drama though, but, but have these motifs for characters. Um, sure. but then I really watched the actors and, you know, try to find where the music needs to complement what the actors are doing or get out of the way of what the actors are doing, you know, mm -hmm. trying to emphasize, well, what's the emotion in the scene? Is it fear? Is it peace? Is it sorrow? Um, or, you know, or is it just like, you just got to get through a scene and bob your head and transition. Um, so really writing, writing to the need of the moment um, and trying to even let the music be like a character that's interacting on screen with the other actors. Right. Something that's been kind of a common theme with people that I've had on the spark effect is that these opportunities have presented themselves and the people that um, I've interviewed have just dove into things and learned so much mm. along the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> what would you recommend for people that wanted to get involved in, in scoring films and doing soundtracks? Yeah. Uh, done is better than perfect. You know, and that's kind of yeah. like my, my motto for, for, for all of my music projects is, is done is better than perfect. Just do it and get better the next one. 
you know, um, with with this particular film project, there was a date that we had to be done by. And so there was an external uh, boundary. But on a lot of like our own artistic endeavors, we have to create our own boundaries. You know, mm-hmm. writing a single, I can just put it out whenever. I'm writing a book, I can put it out whenever. Um, and we can get locked into just tweaking and tweaking and tweaking and tweaking. And I changed my philosophy just to be like, well, put out what you have and then learn from that and apply that to the next one and put out the next one. And then you grow in the trajectory of projects that get put out. So then five, six projects down the line, you're way better than you were five or six projects ago, rather than trying to make the first project super perfect or know everything. I don't know much about scoring films. Um, I didn't get trained in it. I didn't go to school for it. I did this one and I'm proud of it and I'm proud of my friend's work and I'd love to do it again. And whatever I learned, Uh, in this one, I'm just going to apply to the next one. So good. It's such good advice. I think that uh, artists, a lot of times they get into that, that rhythm of it has to be perfect. They keep, Mm -hmm. keep drafting things over and over again. And so nothing gets, nothing gets actually put out And the, the done is better than perfect is so smart. Um, so we have to talk about the, the, the big thing that happened to you a few few years ago. How, how did you find out about the cancer? Yeah, so in man, fall of 2017, I was diagnosed with stage four nasopharyngeal cancer, which is a cancer um, in your nasal pharynx, which is um, that sort of soft spot, the cavity behind your nose. I had a tumor growing back there. <clears throat> and so I found out about it while on vacation with my family. I woke up one morning and there was uh, just a giant lump on my neck, like a softball a tennis ball on my neck. And it was like, oh that's not a thing. That's not, <laughs> that that's not right. There. Right. <clears throat> you know? So, um, after testing, we found out it was a, a, a lymph node because mm-hmm. you have the lymph nodes in your neck and then in your, in your armpits and down your body. And the lymph node, that left one had swollen with cancer cells. So the cancer had spread from the tumor, uh, to the, the left lymph node. And, and then in, in the course of that week or two had even jumped to the right lymph node in my neck. Um, and, uh, so they sort of reverse engineered it and traced it back and found the tumor. Um, and the unfortunate thing was where the tumor was situated, they could not operate to remove it, which is the primary means of removing cancer. You cut out 98% of it, and then you try to treat the margins with the chemotherapy or the radiation because of the tumor site surgery was completely not an option. So I, I had to do everything through chemo and radiation. So the, the whole cancer had to be poisoned and burned um, out of my system. And once I was diagnosed, it had already spread to both lymph nodes. And if it had jumped lymphatically, then to the, to the, to the next set, it would spread like uh, unhindered through the rest of my body. And I would have been terminal within probably a couple of weeks. Um, and they wouldn't have been able to do anything. So it was like immediate, like the world stopped, like, the floor, the, the floor opened up and I fell into this pit of like, oh my gosh, am I, I'm going to die from cancer in a couple of weeks. Um, and, right. uh, and it was just, and it was just like soul chaos. Uh, and it was just immediately ushered into like severe treatments. My, on- my oncologist repeatedly told me this was one of the most aggressive cancer treatments that is available to patients because you can't surgically remove anything. Um, it's one of the most gruesome uh, cancer treatments that is provided. Um, and it was, it was hell. 
straight up for I, I was gonna say I'm sure, but I'm not. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Um, that that's a complete life changer right there. It was absolutely. Yeah. What what yeah. changed for you personally in that is as far as your mindset goes? Like how did you how did you feel going through this? Yeah, um uh that's a great question. And there's like there's like so much, you know, in the brain um thinking through that. Um you know, I uh I went through I went through 35 radiation treatments in a matter of seven weeks, and you are only allowed to get 35 radiation treatments in your entire life. And so, if someone, uh, let's say, develops uh, breast cancer and and they treat that, they'll try to go minimally with 12, 10, 12, 15 treatments, maybe somewhere along those lines, while keeping a remainder left over in case there's a reoccurrence. You know, for me. It was all or nothing. You get literally every radiation treatment possible. You get all of the chemotherapy because if it comes back, we can't do anything for you. So mm -hmm. it's just a full salvo. And so that that reality plunged me into this physical nightmare. Um, and uh, we don't have time to talk all the details, but it was unbearable. Um, and, uh, you know, I was eating through a feeding tube. I physically couldn't talk or swallow or anything. Um, and life was kind of vegetative for a lot of it, just laying in the bed. Um, and my brain would go in and out, you know, for weeks at a time where I would be aware and then I would be unaware for weeks at a time. Um, but so I didn't process a lot during the actual treatment cause I wasn't around for a lot. Um, right. but, um, when I was aware, um, my interactions, um, with God were very special. Um, and, um, uh, I've been a Christian since I was 14 and it really put my Christian faith to the test. Um, and what was different for me was I was able to experience my walk with God in very new ways where God, I always thought God was with me. Um, but when I sank into the super, 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 super deep level of suffering and despair, it was interesting. It's like I just sort of sank in this pool. But at every depth that I sank, like God, I just felt like God was already still standing there. You know, and you just sort of sink down and like, oh, God's still there. I sink down and God's still there. And I sink down and God's still there. And so I got to see God meet me in a depth of suffering with a measure of grace and mercy that I would have never experienced had I not gone through that. Mm -hmm. And that affects my relationship now. Um, but I think, you know, in, in a lot of other ways, there's a lot of like things that just got burned off with the radiation in terms of like fear or sometimes um, a worry about what people think um, to be like, well, you know what? I don't, I don't care because I'm alive. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I was going to say, I'm gonna I go think ahead that and do this, you know? when you go through something like this, um, and again, I can't imagine, but when you go through something like this, I think it becomes very crystal clear a lot of things that don't matter and yeah. and then the things that do and 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 you're mentioning yeah. God and your faith and your and your belief and you've been someone who um since we were like 15 years old yeah. <laughs> has yeah. been someone I can talk to about this stuff because yeah. I'm I I you know I'm very honest about I don't know what I believe mm -hmm. and I think that um, going through something like this and also examining religion and everything, um, it, it, it plays such a huge part of it. Uh, sure. And um, 
I'm trying to think how I want to form this question. Um, did you find that your own faith was was tested greatly during this? Uh, yeah. Because yeah. I know. And I, I, yeah. I know a lot of people and I read a lot about um, uh, cancer and, and a lot of survivor stories. And a lot of people hit that point where they're just like, there must not be um, yeah. a God if, if this if this is possible. Yeah. 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 And so I, I would uh, uh, I would say, yes, there, there was there was a testing and it, and it wasn't it didn't take that it, it, that entire shape um and i'll take mm -hmm. a step, step back and say i just have such fond memories of us as high school <laughs> kids like chilling in our like beat up little cars talking about music you know talking about talking about life and faith and stuff and and i i just really still value that those memories to this day um and i think it carries over to this great conversation but when i was in that you know when i first got diagnosed i've got four little kids you know someone says you have cancer specifically you have stage four cancer you know i was spiraling into i'm going to die and my 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 children will be fatherless and my wife will be widowed um and i was in a serious panic um and i felt god grab a hold of me and almost like compress me in and mm -hmm. said repeatedly you are not going to die you are not going to die and I kept pushing out against that. And I said, no, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. And he just almost like pushed me in tighter, almost like you hug someone tight or you swaddle a baby to keep their anxiety down. It was like that on a spiritual level for me. And God was saying, you are not going to die until I relaxed like a fussy baby. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay, well, that's what the Lord says. That's what's going to happen. And it totally was absolutely right and true and it was terrible but it was right and true um you know he kept his promise his word was true to me and through the whole endeavor it it was not a, a question of is god real is god there for me it was a, mm -hmm. more of a question of like well in some ways why is this happening and in other ways like um how does jesus meet me in this Mm -hmm. Like how do how do, how do you know if you are here, which you say you are, why are you not doing anything? I guess that was a big question. Is because the suffering was so bad and so intense and so long, and I prayed earnestly and earnestly for God to take some of these symptoms away. Um, like like for instance, my the skin on my neck from like my jawline to like my collarbone because of the radiation, it all peeled off. I mean, it was just all of my neck was an open wound um, for for weeks, um, and I'm just praying. God, take this stuff away. Um, and it never changed. So then the process of like, well, where is God in suffering? If God says he's always with you, well, where is he when you're at your most bottom, when you thought you hit the bottom and then you got pushed off a cliff and you fell more? Where is God in that? Um, and I literally felt like I was on fire. There were weeks at a time where um, I just felt like I was burning alive. And I remember asking, repeatedly praying, God, where are you? I'm on fire. And I couldn't figure it out. And then one day I sort of got, uh, maybe, maybe you get what I'm saying when I say this. I got this like, this just awareness in my soul, like an understanding, like a, like, it's almost like, you know, kind of talking to somebody spiritually. You just know it in your soul. Well, I felt like God was like, I'm sitting next to you in the fire. And it wasn't like, sitting next to someone when they're sick and you're better and I'm hanging out with you. It was Jesus saying, I'm sitting in the fire with you 
I'm on fire with you. I'm, I'm sharing your sufferings. You. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a literal, like, I'm not just feeling empathy for you. I'm, I'm in the same experience with you. The, the suffering you're feeling is the suffering I'm feeling. I'm taking it upon myself as well. And I'm sitting with you so we can do it together. It's going to get me emotional. We're going to do it together so that I could get you through it. And so once I hit that, yeah, once I hit that mark and I had that awareness, I knew where to find God in the depth of my suffering. And I wouldn't say it became any easier, but I knew where to where I could find God and find my comfort and find that. And so when I would go into the next round of chemotherapy, I would shake because I was so frightened because it was so severe every time I did it. Uh, but I was like, but I know where to find God now. And if I could find God there, then I'll do it. Um, because I know, because uh, I know where to, I know where to go. So you were, you were diagnosed in 2017 and we're talking yep. about the chemo and the radiation. How long was this process until you, until um, you kind of like crested over that hill into, into recovery? So, um, it was, it was a total of, um, like eight months, um, eight months. which doesn't seem that long. It seems really long. You know, everybody's cancer battle is different. And some people battle cancer for years and years and decades. Sure. sure. Uh, in light of that, mine was short, but it was so severe and so intense and so fast. It was like a blitzkrieg cancer warfare. Um, and so I started treatment in November. Um, by February, I empathized with the people who said, just cut the plug, take me off and let me go. It's not yeah. worth doing it. Yeah. Like I remember in February being at that point saying, if I didn't have a wife and little children, I would just be like, I'm out. This is not worth it anymore. Yeah. Um, and it really was for my, my three-year-old son at the time. I'm like, this kid needs a dad. And so that was the lowest, lowest point. Um, and then um, it was right around that sort of February, January, really dark time that I really found the depths of, God meeting me in that suffering. And then that propelled me through the rest of February, through the rest of March, and through the rest of April. Um, and then I returned to work um, in the end of like, end of June, beginning of July-ish, mm -hmm. somewhere. It's all fuzzy in my head, but somewhere mm -hmm. around that time. So, um, What do you wish more people, what do you wish that um, people knew about with cancer that they don't know going in. You mentioned the, the neck with the skin peeling and stuff, and that's something I definitely didn't know when all, what went on. Mm. What do you wish that more people knew about? About my own experience or just in, in general? general? In general. Yeah. Um, you know, something I was really surprised to learn is that um, everybody has cancer cells in their body um, and that every person has cancer cells in their body. It's it, it, one, one in four per people are diagnosed with an actual, uh, you know, cancer manifestation. It's just that normally our body processes those cancer cells and eliminates them and we remain healthy. Um, one in four people, their system, cancer cells slip through the defense radar and turns into something serious. Um, and uh, and so health is so important. I mean, I feel like in my case, there was nothing I could have done. You know, there's nothing I could have taken or anything I should have cut out of my diet to make it that way. But having a healthy diet and healthy nutrition gives us such a fighting chance because we are so, um, usually as Americans, we are so deprived of nutrients, good nutrients, um, that our body is operating on a, on a, on a weakened level. And so then oftentimes these aggressive uh, cells could come in and 
our body's not ready to fight them, you know, and, and, and cancer cells operate off of um, sugar. And we just have such a high sugar diet. So it's like we have really low defenses and we're giving them all the ammunition. So, you know, one of the best defenses is just having really, really good nutrition that's just dense with, you know, veggies and fruits and all of that, all of that really good dark colored green stuff. You can't um, see me, really but I'm nodding. <laughs> I'm like, yes, yeah. like it's, yes. it's something I say it every single day. Your health is literally the most important thing yeah. and should be your top so, priority. So important. Uh, and, and, um, and we don't take enough, like we don't take yeah. advantage of that enough. Yeah. And the other thing I would say, uh, the other thing I'd say real quick to that is that, you know, the other thing I learned is, is the people who care for the cancer patients are just as much of a hero. And I know that I got like a lot of love and support uh, and so did my wife, but I consider my wife, Trisha, whom, you know, I met, you know, I met you through Trisha. Like we're like this little trio of friends, you know, and, um, and uh, in high school, but my wife, Trisha is the hero of the story. You know, um, I, I, I'm a Lord of the Rings fan. And I say that like, maybe I was Frodo and I had to carry the burden of the ring. I had the cancer, but Sam, brought Frodo to the top of the mountain. He picked Sam or he picked Frodo up, took him to the top of the mountain. So Sam is really the hero of the story. And my wife is the Sam Gamgee. She picked me up. She literally kept me alive through I, this whole I, thing more than the doctors. Um, I believe it. I do. She's, she's, she's amazing. one of the best human beings I know on the planet. I totally agree. And so, but caring for the cancer caregivers Caring for the cancer caregivers is so important and so under-promoted, under-realized. Um, to champion them, to give them the support, to give them the emotional space to grieve and heal is just as important as giving those things to the cancer patient. Yes. And you, you came out of this wanting to do something and give something back, which is where Keep Fighting came in. Yeah, absolutely. How did, how did, how did that all come about? Well, um, I had been, um, I, 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 I dabble in, in Christian hip hop. And so um, uh, I sort of stumbled into that. Um, and uh, I've been enjoying that for a few years. And I wanted to collaborate uh, with a friend of mine. His name is Bubba Norton. And he's an amazing human also. Um, he and I were looking for a project together. So I got into recovery. We're hanging out at his house. And he, we were talking about cancer. And he mentioned how he had been raised by his aunt and uncle, whom both had passed from cancer. And so he was, we were sharing stories about the similarities between the patients and the caregivers, the loved ones walking alongside, the commonalities in suffering and pain, and how both sides need to keep fighting. It's a little bit of a different battle, but it's still a battle. We thought, what if we could write a song that talks about that, that gives support to both sides? And I thought, you know what, that's a really great idea, but I'm just getting into recovery. That's way too much emotionally for me. I can't handle that. Maybe in a few months. I drove home from his house. I sat down on my piano and I wrote the song probably 10 minutes. It just came out. <laughs> of course you and did. <laughs> I, you know, then I sent it to him. I'm like, yo, we have this. We got to do this now. Um, and so we each take a verse um, describing our own unique experiences from opposite sides of the same coin. He talks about... Uh, he writes from the perspective of the caregiver, from himself or from my wife's point of view, the challenges, the heartache, et cetera. And I write from my perspective as the, the patient, the, 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 um, the cancer patient. And a funny note, or I think it's neat, when I was in the middle of the treatment, 
I was shuffling around the house in the middle of the night. Um, and I had one of those, it's a little bit cliche, but one of those, I look at myself and I don't recognize myself in the mirror mm-hmm. moments. Uh, and I, 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 I literally, I mean, all my hair was gone and my eyes and I couldn't talk and all that stuff. Um, and I, a series of lyrics came to me and I typed them into my phone cause I couldn't write or couldn't sing them. Mm-hmm. And I wrote down these four lines of what I saw observed of myself in the mirror, eyes staring back at me, empty and hollow, mouthful of spit that I can't seem to swallow because I couldn't swallow my own spit. I'd spit it into a cup. Um, so I wrote down four lines and tucked it away. Then when we came to write the song, I didn't know where to start for my, my verse. I pulled out those lyrics, the like real time reflections and they just popped right so into my perfect. Yeah. Perfect. And it gave me the launching point to trigger the rest of my verse and, and, to, and to sort of uh, chronicle my experience, um, you know, in these 16 bars uh, through, the, through the treatment. And then we had another wonderful friend named Missy Day sing a very uplifting uh, chorus in the middle to kind of tie it all together. This external voice of hope saying, keep fighting, you're not alone, you know, keep going, uh, whether you're the caregiver or where you're the patient, keep going and keep fighting. Yeah, it's a really beautiful song. I'll make sure that, oh, the, thank you. that the listeners have links to access the video and, and the song yeah. as well. Um, what's next for you? Well, um, I, I have uh, a new single that's ready. It's called Calvary Covers It All. And um, it's a, a song that I wrote um, several years ago and has evolved. It's one of those, it's, I've had it for probably, you know, eight years and it slowly took shape and I'm a friend of mine named Jason Squires who's another worship leader friend of mine sang on it and um, we're going to release it uh, close to Easter so it's going to come out sort of beginning of April um, and we Jason has a concert this coming Friday um, at FBC Davis at 7 p.m. so if you're in the Yolo County area um, come out to that because he and I are going to de- debut that song live um, and uh um, that's going to be a ton of fun and hopefully we'll get the uh, video for it done and the single out just before Easter. So you can look for that. That's awesome. Zarek, is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't? Um, about my overwhelming Star Wars obsession? <laughs> we can that's, talk uh, Star Wars. That's just, just how deep and scary you, it goes. That's true. You're a bigger Star Wars nerd <laughs> than I am. <laughs> Cool. Well, I am going to make sure that everybody has links to find you online and follow you and thank listen you. to your awesome yeah. music. Well, and I thank hope, you. And I hope that we can chat again. Derek, thank you so yeah. much for being on The Spark Effect. Thanks, Wendy. It's been a blast. I just have, we have so much respect for you and so much love for you. And we, my wife and I talk about how we are like silent cheerleaders on the <laughs> other coast for everything that you're doing. You know, we love what you're doing with the spark effect. We love what you're doing um, uh, with your business and uh, we, we root for you over here. And so thanks for including me. I so appreciate it. Another big thank you to Derek for visiting me at the spark effect. I love chatting with you. Let's do this more often and not taking like a decade off in between. If you have not yet, please go check out his music. Go check out all the links I provided in the show notes. You can find them on the spark effect webpage. You can find them on all the social media sites. Really, really good stuff. Thank you so much again. In my own world, I just launched a mini nutrition only course for those who need you know, kind of like a, a kickstart. I I think that I've made it very clear 
everywhere how important your health is. And this isn't just about weight loss, although that is something that is very desired by many. Uh, I want to provide you the tools that you can use to have a healthier life long-term. And as a result of that, you will lose weight and not only just lose weight, but keep it off because that's the hardest part. The program is called Jump. We start March 23rd. If you're interested, there is a link on my website. I would love to see you in there. It's two weeks. It's a private community on Facebook. It's a member's website on my website that you can have password protected access to. If you need help with something like this, get in touch with me. I hope that everyone is being safe. Be healthy. Drink your water. Take care of each other. I love you guys. And I will see you next time.